Been studying a lot in the book of Ephesians. Uh, actually, we started in September. We took some breaks and kind of peeled off in a couple different directions uh, for some other series. But for the most part, we've just walked verse by verse through these six chapters of this letter that Paul wrote. Paul spent probably the most time of any of the churches that he was a part of planting here in Ephesus. Uh, he was particularly close with his friend Timothy, who was the pastor that he left behind to lead in Ephesus. Uh, and he wrote him a couple different letters that we'll uh, uh, continue as in our studies with at another time. Uh, he uh, uh, writes much. If you've been here, you've studied it with us. Uh, but he culminates his, his letter, uh, which is, it's a letter. He's writing to his friends, this church, uh, and he's, he's imploring them and encouraging them uh, in the things of God. And he finishes it up with, with this um, reminder of the spiritual war that rages around all who follow Christ. All people in general uh, are a part of the spiritual battle, but especially those of us who are seeking to honor Christ, um, it is constant. We are, even right now, some of you are, are getting your phones out and you're starting to play that game again because I'm speaking and that's what you do at this time. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I would tell you that that is our adversary's effort uh, to pull you away from the things that God wants to teach you. He, uh, here's the deal. God in his perfect will, we don't understand everything uh, that God does, but he has allowed for a time his adversary, the devil, Satan, to be active. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. And uh, as, as long as he is, uh, uh, you know, out and about, he's like a prowling lion, uh, Peter tells us, seeking whom he may devour. And so um, God uh, comes to our rescue in Christ, and he, he, he wants to spare us and protect us from uh, the things that would pull us away from him that his adversary would direct us to. Uh, he wants to lead us back to himself, but uh, he requires us uh, to choose him, to look to him, uh, to hide in him as our strength here in this battle. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, that, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. You know, he goes on to describe basically a Roman soldier's armor, but he, he uses those pieces of armor to represent the character of God. He says, put on God's truth, put on God's righteousness. You've been given the righteousness of Christ if you're a follower of Jesus. Now live in that righteousness, live in right things. I, I love that part, I, I wanna study that some more, but. Um, you and I have a choice in life, to zig or to zag, to do right or to choose wrong. And when we choose right, we can't choose wrong. When we choose right, we get in these patterns of choosing the right thing. And choosing right keeps us from the, the schemes of our adversary. Now he talks about some shoes, and the shoes represented the peace that comes from the, the gospel that you and I have received in Christ and, and how we're supposed to fight in this pervasive peace, this peace that surpasses understanding, he describes it as in the book of Philippians. When we uh, come to the battle, we come in peace. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, battles and peace, they don't always mix. But when it comes to the spiritual war, we fight with peace. Uh, he goes on and he says, hey, make sure in all circumstances to stand in faith because our adversary is going to come at you with all kinds of arrows. He's going to try to get you with all kinds of doubts and um, uh, all kinds of temptations and and he's going to discourage you every chance he gets. Uh, when you see those arrows coming, raise the shield of your faith. And your faith doesn't have any power in and of itself, but your faith in the faithfulness of God, that will protect. Last week we talked about uh, the helmet. The helmet in verse 17 uh, is the helmet of our salvation. 
and how the war is fought between our temples. And if our minds are set on him, if our minds are set on what's good and lovely and uh, of uh, good repute, uh, if our minds are set on God, uh, we are better enabled to stand against uh, the uh, efforts of our adversary. And then finally, sw- swing the sword, people. Anybody read the Bible this week? Anybody spend some time in God's Word? Some of you did. That's great. Some of you, this is your spot. This is where you're getting the Word. You like seeing it on the screen? I, <laughs> I would encourage you, get more, all right? If, uh, if we understand that we are um, being spiritually fed by God's Word, some of you are only eating once a week, and uh, physically that's obviously not the case for most of us, uh, but spiritually you can be emaciated, dying because you're just not, you're not taking in the calories, the spiritual calories that come from God's word. Uh, it's a sword, it's our defense. Um, that's the armor. Now he shifts, Paul does, in his description of what is needed for the unseen war, the spiritual battle that you are in, and he, you, I are, you and I are in. And he says this, uh, starting in verse 18. No, go back, I tricked you. He says, Put on the helmet, carry the sword, and pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or prayers for all the saints. And he goes on and he says, and pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to to speak. Paul's clear. The final piece in this puzzle of being successful in the unseen war, this this final thing that we need to incorporate in the battle is prayerful dependence on God. This war is not a war of weapons, it's a war of words. Uh, Maybe you've had some of those with other people, not of the holy nature. Uh, but in, in the spiritual battle, we fight with our words. We fight with our prayers. We stay connected to our general through prayer. That's how we win the war. I was at a wedding last night. Uh, normally I, I get up on Sunday having already preached once on Saturday night, so I'm still figuring this out. Hope it makes sense. Uh, but I went to a, a wedding of a, a young lady and her uh, husband, uh, she grew up in this church, uh, Langley Dalton, and she got married last night, and uh, it was just a great time. Uh, it was on Clearwater Beach at 7 o'clock, and I was wearing my black wool suit, so I almost spontaneously combusted, but uh, uh, <laughs> that, everyone needs to experience that once, do a wedding in the sunshine on a beach, all right. Uh, but it was beautiful, and it was beautiful because of the two people that I got to join together, husband and wife. They're amazing young, young, men and, young man and woman. Um, they love Jesus uh, more than they love each other, which is a, the formula for successful marriage, just so you know. And uh, it was just a pleasure uh, to stand there. I, I, I gave my uh, typical talk. I, I suppose I could vary it. If I've done your wedding, you've heard it. But uh, I just think that Genesis chapter 2 basically gives us the formula uh, the, the blueprint for marriage as, as God originally designed it before sin came into the world. Marriage was built on uh, a husband and a wife leaving their families. There's a separation. Um, joining together, cleaving, uniting, I call that the gravitation, the gravitational pull of, of their love. And then communication, it says that they were naked and they had no shame. There was this intimacy 
that was, uh, marked the first marriage. Uh, and before sin came in, um, communication was easy. There was nothing to fight about. Everything was perfect. But sin has come in. Anybody noticed? And when sin comes into a marriage or any relationship, communication is the key to it. You're like, what's this got to do with prayer? Um, in the spiritual battle, our communication with our God is of the utmost priority. Our connection to him and our hearing from him, uh, our uh, casting our cares on him, it, it's, it's how the battle's fought. It's how the battle's won. As we ask him for what we need, as we thank him for what he's given, as we praise him for who he is, as we connect to our God in prayer, uh, we are rescued in the fight. And I, I find Ephesians amazing. And it's, uh, it's got all this incredible stuff for us to learn from it. But twice in the book of Ephesians, in this letter that Paul wrote to this church, he, he stops down to basically report his prayers to them, or the prayers he's had for them, to them as he's writing down the letter. Like in Ephesians 1, verse 15, you can start reading there. He just goes for eight or ten verses, and he just says, hey, man, when I think of you guys, this is what I pray. I pray prayers of thanks. I pray prayers, you know, for you to grow in your faith and for you to understand, uh, you know, this, this God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we can ask or think. I mean, he, th these are the things I pray for. He, he spends a lot of paper talking about his prayers. He does it again in chapter 3. He closes out that chapter. Hey, guys, I'm praying this for you, too. And he, and he just blah, 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 blah. When was the last time you wrote someone an email or a text or a, um, you know, a, a, had a phone call or an interaction with someone, and, and you didn't just say, hey, man, praying for it, because that's what Christians say, right? Hey, man, Frank, praying for you. And it's good. Some of you like, we're not supposed to pray for each other? Yes, I'll say that later in the sermon. But when was the last time you stopped down and you detailed for someone, hey, give me, give me like 60 seconds here. Here's exactly what I'm praying for you. Here's the things that I'm thankful for about you. Here's the things that I've been asking God to instill in you. You know, most of the time when we say for, you know, that we're praying for someone, you know, we use it as kind of a, a means to sass that person or to shame them. You know what I've been praying for? I've been praying for you to get off your butt and go mow the grass. That's what I've been praying for. <laughs> right? I'm going to go pray for that right now. You know what I've been praying for, teenage son, is that you snap your head around and start treating your parents like you're supposed to, you know? That's our prayer reports to people. We might as well be saying, hey, loser. That's what I hope God does to you. That doesn't seem very encouraging. What if, we, what if we paused to do like Paul did and say, hey, you know what? I love you guys. I, 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 am, I am so um, passionate about you, so desirous of your, your, your best that I pray for you. And you know what I pray when I pray for you? I thank God for you, and then I pray these things for you. How would that change this church? How would that change our families? How, how, how much can prayer make a difference? I think a lot. That's why Paul finishes his, his letter with it, for the most part. He says, pray. So how do we stand strong in the unseen war? We pray at all times. And in all ways, let me show you where I got that. We just read it. Praying at all times, Paul says, in the spirit with all or all kinds of prayers and supplications. Praying at all times means we are always in the mindset of prayer so that when something happens, we don't have to go to church to pray. We don't have to find a pastor to pray. We could just, 
immediately link up with God and understand. This is spiritual. This isn't just physical or material or, or on this plane. This is on this plane. And this is a spiritual thing that's happening. And I need to talk to my father or I need to thank my father or praise my father. I need to involve my God as I move forward in life. So prayer's our first move. Uh, yesterday I, I was at this wedding and so a lot of the wedding party uh, were going to go golf, so I had to go golf. I mean, I had to. I didn't want to. But I hit, I hit one of the better shots I've ever hit in my life. I didn't go, it didn't go in, but it was on a par three. It was almost a hole in one. I, I made the putt. Thank you very much, everybody who cares. Thank you. Yes. Oh, no, no, stop. Anyway. Um, but I hit the shot, and it, uh, they're all, you know, my, my playing partners were all excited because it's hard to do. It's hard to hit the ball close to a hole. And uh, I said, well, thank you, God. And that's what I said. Why? Because I believe God gives blessings. And I have no business hitting a ball that close to a pin. I have little ability in doing such a thing. But on, a, on occasion, as God is gracious, not on occasion, all the time, he gives us good things. And when he does, we should say thank you. When we find that good parking spot in the, the parking garage near the wedding that you need to uh, officiate at, the first thing out of your mouth should not be, well, that was lucky or cool. It should be, thank you, omnipotent heavenly father, controller of parking spots for clearing that family and their minivan out of here so I can park my truck. When you see a beautiful sunset. I remember the first time I was down at Key West on a spring break, we'll leave it there, but uh, I remember the first time I, I watched the sunset over the Gulf. Uh, and just amazingly how you know the pink ball just disappears, right? And I'd never, I wasn't ready for this. I was in college, and everybody around me cheered. Okay, which, great. I don't know who they were cheering or what they were cheering. Uh, but in my recollection of that moment, and, and this past weekend when I was over on the beach watching the sunset, I thought, what an amazing God who set this up and made this beauty and gave it to us on a daily basis when the clouds aren't out. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, um, being in this prayerful mindset uh, and, and being ready to ask for things. We should be ready to thank God for things and praise God for things. It should just be how we live. And when it says, you know, pray without ceasing in other parts of the scripture, it doesn't mean that you, you know, lock yourself in a closet like some of the monks did and you never do anything except pray and eat, pray and eat, sleep, pray and eat, sleep. That's it. That's not practical. We've got to go to jobs and have families and do life. But it means, like I've been saying, that in everything you're ready to pray. You're ready to recognize. You're ready to consult and to implore the God who loves you. I think a lot of times when it comes to the asking part of prayer, we're way too slow on the draw. When it says that we should be praying at all times, I think that means that like, even when it's inconvenient, you just stop down and you pray for whatever's going on. A lot of times people say, hey, would you pray for me? And, and I think well-intentioned Christians say, yes, I'll totally pray for that, and they never do. Because in the time that it takes for them to leave that conversation, they've forgotten the prayer request and the conversation. And so here's what I want to encourage you. This is what I would love to see at Bay Life Church on a Sunday or any time that we're together, is that when someone asks you to pray for them, 
Pray then. Pray again. You can pray more. But pray then. We were in a staff meeting a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was this past week. And, and uh, we had gone through you know, some agenda items. And it, and it occurred to someone as we were talking about something. Oh, this so-and-so and such-and-such is going through this thing. And, and we need to be praying for them. And as a matter of, of uh, just policy from now on, as I've been studying this stuff, what I want to do in those situations is that's a great idea. Since you brought it up, you lead us. And let's go. And it's not some kind of compulsory, we got to do this or our hair's going to fall out or something like that. It's like, that's what this means to be praying at all times. Of course we'd stop and pray for that. We're Christians. We believe in God. We believe that he is the overrider of situations, the, the one who can come in and solve and bring solution. Of course we're going to talk to him. Of course we're going to do it right now. You guys know what I mean. We got those things in life that we'll drop anything for. All I'm asking is that as followers of Jesus Christ, Christ, let's make Jesus Christ the thing that we drop things for. Amen. And let's talk to him as he prompts us to. You know, prayer isn't just meant to be this constant thing, it's meant to be this, this planned thing. I don't know if you have a time when uh, during your day you pray, but I think you should. I think you should chart it. Like, we, who's got a calendar on their phone? Anybody use a calendar on their phone? Yeah, if you, if you I was at this wedding the other night, and it was a, a family that used to be a part of our life group when I first got here to Bay Life, and, and they've moved so that, you know, they aren't able to come here anymore, but we're still great friends, and, and they just live over, you know, on the beach in Clearwater, uh, wherever it is, it's south of Clearwater, but they live over on the beach now, and it's an hour away. Me and the guy, we're great friends when we lived here together. We're just not around each other anymore. Anybody seen someone like that recently? What's the conversation go like? You know what? This is dumb. We should see each other more often. We're good buds. And so what happens at the, uh, at the end of that sentence? People haul out their phones. Well, when are you in town next? He travels a lot for business. Okay, well, you're, you're in town here. Maybe we can get together on this day and, and, and meet at this place and, and do this thing, work for you. And then what do you do? Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, done. Unless you forget it, which might happen if you're me. But you, you write it down, and it's a part of your plan. It's on your calendar. What if we did that with prayer? And I'm not, you know, I, certainly I think we should pray every day. I think you should wake up every morning, spend some time with God, read his word, pray to him. But what if you said, you know, even beyond that, I'm going to schedule my relationship with Christ in this way at this time. And I'm going to sit down with him for the half hour that that is, or the hour that it is, whatever. You know, get extra points for more time. But for however long you decide to sit down with your heavenly father and pray through his son in the spirit, just sit down and do that. Would your relationship with that person change? Yeah. And does God merit that kind of intentionality? Someone say, yeah. Because he is our utmost and our highest. He's our priority. How about coming to church on Sundays? Here's the deal with most people, and I'm, whatever, maybe not most people, but a lot of people. And I don't, listen, uh, there's like 800 people apparently that serve at our church at different times in different ways. Thank you, everybody who serves. Everybody should serve. And if you're not serving, please become a part of that with us. But I'm so grateful for our servants. I'm so grateful for everybody who gets here and makes ministry happen next door and in this building and in our parking lots and all that stuff. I'm blessed by our servants. But you know what? As much as we serve and as much as we make this church run to the glory of God, I would love for us, even in the next week, as we come to church next Sunday, everybody get here 10 minutes earlier. Some of you, that will be, you know, 
just 10 minutes before I start to preach. Get here earlier than that. But, but, but come, listen, build in some time to your being here to pray. Some of you are like, well, Mark, I just can't get the kids and the wife and that, or wife and the husband or whatever. All right, then fine. On your drive here, shut the radio off, no fighting, no talking about lunch. Go around the car and pray. If it's just you, pray. But listen, Take time where you have time to intentionalize a conversation with the God that you love and the one that loves you infinitely more. I could uh, and will direct you to the class that we have called Talking to God. It's about prayer. But let me just kind of give you some highlights about how we pray, when we pray. If we pray at all times, with all prayers and all supplications in a variety of ways, here's some of the ways that we should pray. We should pray humbly, all right? We should pray aware, being aware of who we're talking to. That's why when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he started with our Father. Father is an intimate term, certainly, but it is also an authoritative term. Remember you're talking to the boss, the God of all creation, our Father, who art in heaven. He's not from here. He's not us. His son came and hung out with us. Everybody grateful for that? But our Father is heavenly. He is otherly. He is above us. Our Father, who art in heaven, what's the next word? Hallowed or holy is your name. You are not talking to some dude. You are talking to the God of the universe who deserves everything you have, but certainly your esteem and your honor. When you pray, you go down and God goes up. So we pray humbly, we pray gratefully. It's so easy to just get to the groceries, but Paul, you know, in so many different places in his, his writings, uh, would inject thankfulness and gratitude. Uh, in Philippians 4, a familiar verse, don't be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? The thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you're talking to God and asking of God, pause to thank God. I think the thanking uh, tempers the asking. A lot of times we can come to God uh, with demands. This is just not right. I'm uncomfortable right now, Lord. And if we don't forget that he's given us all that we have, if we don't forget that he's blessed us in ways we can't even grasp, then we can become kind of uppity with our Heavenly Father. We, we have these cards that we uh, make available to you to pin on the cross, uh, yay God cards. Thank you for everybody who's filled one out. Um, and certainly, uh, uh, I understand that there's more Ask God cards that get pinned to our cross on a daily uh, basis or a Sunday's basis uh, because there's lots of things that need prayer. And we do pray for those things. Keep pinning them, absolutely. But, but don't you think a church uh, like us could just wallpaper the room yeah. with yay God cards? I mean, if we just took that, you know, and, and I'm not saying, you know, that's what we're looking for. We have a quota. Please make sure, you know. I'm, I'm, but I am saying that we need to pause down in this life with Christ and remember what he's done for us. It's a huge part of our prayers. We need to pray confessing prayers. It kind of goes with the whole humble thing, but we need to make sure that if there's anything standing between us and the holy God that would keep us uh, from uh, having effectual times of prayer, that we confess those things, repent of those things. Uh, we need to uh, certainly pray for what we need, our asking prayers. 
seeking God for his will and uh, his will alone, not necessarily what we want. That's why it says in the prayer that Jesus taught us, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That precedes give me or give us our daily bread. We pray his will over what we want, but certainly we should pray and ask God for things. And then uh, this is the most important and probably the least uh, exercised part of prayer. Listen, slow down. Uh, Let the spirit respond to the things that you're saying. He may not give you an answer to the, you know, Lord, I don't know how we're going to make the bills this month. I don't know what's going to happen with this kid. He, may not, he not bring, may not bring instant solution, but I'm amazed at how often when I pause down in my prayers and I just let it be quiet for a second, how God's spirit affirms his presence in my life. How God's um, spirit uh, says, Mark, it's going to be a while, but we got this. You and me, that's all we need. We'll make it through. He wants to whisper his encouragements. And that's why the next thing that Paul teaches us is that we need to pray in the spirit. That verse again starts like this. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I think he, he says to pray in the spirit because there must be an alternative. And I think that alternative is playing, praying in the flesh. Uh, do you know what it is to pray in the flesh? It's, it's to pray, I think, in the flesh, means to, to pray uh, in such a way that you're just kind of doing it because you got to do it. Like how many people are going to pray before you eat your lunch? Anybody going to pray before you eat your lunch? Good. Glad you are. It's great. Now, we, we culturally do that in the Christian church uh, because it's just a great time to pray. You're about to eat. I think the Bible talks us about being thankful for all that we have, and so it's an appropriate time to pray. But here's, I'll confess, if you want to join me, you can. Here's what happens a lot of times when I'm praying before my meal. I'm just trying to get to the meal. And so I, I pray something fast. And, and like when I was a kid, mine was, because I'm, you know, I'm a, a jack wagon like this, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Amen. That was mine. And everybody would laugh. That's so cute. But in those words, was I really talking to a holy, infinite God? Or was I just doing the preamble to, you know, tacos? The latter. Uh, that's praying in the flesh. Praying in the flesh is praying selfish. Praying in the flesh can be many things, but it's usually uh, praying when you're supposed to, what you're supposed to, without your heart engaged. <laughs> I stood at the uh, rehearsal dinner for this wedding on Friday night in the middle of this bar called the, the Brown Boxer. It's down on Clearwater uh, Beach, and, and uh, uh, so the, 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 you know, the, uh, the bridal party and the families were all there and we were just having like a, whatever, a buffet of sliders and chicken fingers. And we'd been there for like 20 minutes, everybody hanging out and talking in the middle of this bar on a Friday night, right? It's loud. You know, the other patrons are loud. And, uh, and this, you know, young guy who's the brother of the bride stands up, his name's Drake, love the kid. Um, uh, uh, he stands up and he clangs a, 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 a bottle or whatever and says, we're gonna pray! In the bar. I'm like, you go, Drake. You pray in the bar, bro. And so we all, you know, quiet a little bit, you know, the groups that, w- that was there. Uh, the noise is going on outside on the street and in the other parts of the bar. And, and Drake prays. Now, Jake, Drake has a choice. He could just kind of pray the, the prerequisite, thanks for the food, for the couple, and blah, 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 blah. Amen. Get me out of here. Drake didn't do that. He didn't go for an hour. 
But he prayed what I, pray, or what I sensed was a prayer from his heart. He prayed for his sister and his new brother-in-law. He thanked God from his heart for the opportunity for all of us to gather and celebrate their love. And in the, it wasn't church, wasn't church. <laughs> but in the midst of this worldly environment, Drake prayed in the spirit because he prayed from his heart. When was the last time you and I had a talk with God where he wasn't just the receiver of our prayers, but he was the director of our prayers as well? Like, uh, as I come in on, on Saturdays, usually it wasn't yesterday because I was at this wedding, but this morning when I came in, I know that it was part of my preparation to be able to speak to you guys. I'm going to pull this one chair that's at this table in my office out so I can kneel, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend you know, a little time with you. And I'll, I'll be honest, I got here pretty early this morning. I'm looking forward to my nap. Uh, but, but I knew I, I had a lot to be able to you know, finish before I talked to you guys, and so uh, the temptation was to do everything that I you know, normally do, hit my knees, pray for you, which I always do, and then pray for the sermon. Help me not mess it up, Lord. You speak through me, right? And then rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the, I mean, get going, right? But I'm about to preach this message on praying in the spirit, and I said, so Lord, we're just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. And, and this is what I did. I said, Father, give me the things that you want me to pray. Give me what you want me to pray. I'll pray for whoever, whatever, you just pop the stuff in my head. I know what I want to pray for, and I will get to that. But just lead me in this time. Let's talk. I'll speak to you the things that you speak to me. I'll pray to you the things that you prompted me. I don't know how long it was. But we just kind of hung out. And I prayed for things that I hadn't thought of for weeks. But God brought them to mind. I prayed for situations, family members, nothing that was of particular urgency or pertain to what's happening right now. But it was a good talk. When we pray in the spirit, that's what happens. We're not just firing off a grocery list. We're in communion with a God who loves us who wants us to know him. And knowing him comes through reading his word, being in his fellowship with other believers, and talking to him through prayer. Be careful not to quench the spirit. Paul finishes his letter to the Thessalonians this way. He says, it's, it's kind of a summation of what he wrote to the Ephesians. He says, rejoice always, let's praise. When you pray, make much of God, celebrate him and thank him. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're a Christian, it's the will of God that you pray in these variety of ways, thanking him, rejoicing in him, asking for what you need. But then he gives this warning at the end of his commendation here. He says, do not quench the spirit. Who's heard that in church before? Anybody? Yeah. Did you know that the context of don't quench the spirit is in prayer? So here's what I think happens a lot of times in our prayers or in this this prayerful existence we're supposed to live in, the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray and we say, no, I'm too busy for that right now. I've got these other things that I need to do. I'm in a bar. You don't pray in bars, Lord. That's for other things. And so the, the Spirit prompts 
And because uh, we're earthly and we're aware of what the consequences might be, or we're just into ourselves too much, we say, no thanks, I'm gonna, and when we do, it's like taking your fingers and licking them and grabbing the candle, fire, whatever, flame. You quench the spirit. You snuff them out. But here's, here's the, I don't understand this. I'll talk about it, but I don't fully understand it. I know that God works through prayer. I know that God works through the prayers of people for other people. And that, that he causes things to happen. Uh, that, that, that he prompts us in moments to just stop down and pray. Pray right now for this one thing. And in his perfect will and in his perfect thinking and mind, uh, he has determined that, that these prayers are going to avail this. And so it's crucial that we're available to him as he prompts us to pray. Pray with all perseverance, Paul goes on to say. He says, uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. That's where I got it. Uh, making supplication for all the saints. Perseverance is different uh, from persistent. Perseverance is, if persistent and consistent prayer is just you know, living in this prayerful mindset and, and, and continuing to be ready to pray whenever it's time to pray, not quenching the spirit, praying in the spirit, constantly being aware of the spirit. Okay, that's, that's the consistent, persistent prayer we're supposed to live in. Persevering prayer is the prayer that doesn't quit. It's the prayer that when the answer is not what you want, or when the answer is maybe or wait, you keep going and you don't give up. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 18 a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Uh, I'll tell you the story just like Jesus told it, not exactly, but Jesus basically said there was a, a judge in a town uh, who was uh, not a fearer of God and not a beholder of men. He didn't care about anybody but himself. And uh, he was the judge of this town. He was the government official who would make things so. And this one woman came to him and said, listen, I've got this disagreement with one of my neighbors and I need you to find in my favor. And he said the first time, what? No, or get away from me, or I'm not gonna be bothered with you. But she, as the parable goes on, persists and continues to come to this judge, Jesus says, and ask for what she wants. And finally, this judge, who did not fear God and did not like people, <laughs> said, ah, oh, Finally, if you'll just go away, I'll grant your request. Now, some of you are like, oh, is that how it is with God? No, Jesus goes on to explain, listen, if a, if a God or if a judge who does not fear God and who does not like people will relent when he's come to over and over again, how much more will a father who is God and does love his people respond to those who persevere in their requests? And some of you are thinking, okay, Mark, what's the number? How many times do I have to pray for this before it becomes a reality? You know, you've put the quarters in and you keep mashing the button. What do I got to do, right? No, I'm not, I'm not telling you that your prayers or any number of arbitrary number of your prayers are going to bring about the hopes that you have. But I will tell you this, that a faithful God loves a faithful follower, and that his heart is swayed by the petitions of those who seek him. And he, it is not automatic. God is not ours uh, to sway or move towards our will. He, he has his own will. He may say no, 
But the, the person who understands what persevering pray, prayer is about uh, perseveres in prayer regardless of the answer, always in hope, always believing that God can and that he will. It's what keeps me uh, going in the situations of my life. I got a kid right now who's off the ranch, and I am praying, believing that Jesus is bringing him back. And I don't know when that's going to be. I pray it's today. But I, I think six months ago, I would put my head on my pillow, and if it hadn't happened that day, I'd be just a little bit mad at God. I prayed for this, Lord. Come on. But I have learned that my command from God is not to pray conditioned on his acting. My command from God is to pray because I believe that he could act. I believe that he will act. And I will pray hoping for that day with perseverance. He says to pray for all the saints. Look what it says in Ephesians 6. To that end, keep alert with all the perseverance, making prayers or supplications for who? All the saints. How many of them? Even the ones that took your parking space this morning. You gotta pray for them too. All the saints. In this unseen war, all of us need to be watching each other's backs. The church is the church of cover me prayers. I've never served in our military. I'm grateful for those of you who have. Thank you for serving our country. Closest I've come is paintball. And in paintball, here's how it works. If you're not familiar with the game, they give you guns with paint pellets in it. If you shoot someone with one, they're out of the game. It's like tag with guns, <laughs> kind of. And there's usually an objective. You have to get a flag. There's, there's a discernible victory. If you can somehow uh, you know, take someone's uh, flag from their side, the, the, the game's over. And usually what happens is that there's just this mad last rush for the flag because one side has overwhelming numbers against the other. And the usual command right before the person who runs for the flag runs for the flag is, cover me! And everybody stands up and it's just a hail of paint. Right? And this one guy's running for the flag, dodging all of the other team's pellets, and he grabs the flag and the game's over. This victory brought to you by the team who covered you, right? And how many times in the Christ life has the victory of one Christian been brought to them by the faithful prayers of those who would cover them? Some of us don't pray in here. You need to start. Some of us only pray for ourselves. I would tell you that's selfish. You need to stop. Some of us have figured out that we need to pray for other people, and then we do that, but we only pray for ourselves and those that we love most. I would tell you, spread out. That's why we gave you that card. I didn't bring one up with me. Everybody hold up your red card. Look at the name on the back. You know them? Anybody know their name? Anybody? Okay, good, you know somebody. That, of, of, a, of a room of about six or 700 people, we've got three people that know someone they're praying for. Isn't that great? The rest of you are praying anonymously. You know, maybe you stand out in the foyer after we're done and just yell the person's name so you can meet them. I'm going to be praying for you, apparently, Renee. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but isn't it great? You don't even have to know someone to pray for them. You just have to know that they're a saint because the command is to pray for all the saints. 
to cover them in the spiritual battles that all of us face. Uh, we gave everybody an Ask God card in the bulletin uh, that you took out. Did anybody grab a bulletin and find that in there? Uh, we weren't trying to get more cards pinned to the cross. This was actually uh, for you to take home. And here's what I want you to do. I want, even now as I'm finishing up this talk, for you to consider who God would lead you to pray for amongst the saints. Here's the one condition. I'd like it to be someone that you don't usually pray for. Okay, so like if, if you're uh, you know, particularly fond of a certain parking attendant guy out there who wears the blue hat, okay, because he waves to you every time you leave and you think he's a nice guy, you don't even have to know that guy's name. You just write down uh, blue hat parking guy. God knows who he is. Pray for him. Five of them, five people that you haven't normally prayed for, continue to pray for the people you normally pray for. Is everybody picking that up? Keep praying for those other people, but add to the list the rest of these saints. Everybody pick five, let's pray for them for the next month. Keep going, if you can, but let's pray for them. We'll start with a week. Who's gonna do that? Anybody gonna write down five names and pray for them this week? Some of you won't, still won't. I'm looking right at you, you're not gonna do it? <laughs> okay, we'll work on it. I love you, bro, we'll work on it. Let me close with this, because of what Paul closes with. Pray for clarity and courage in the mission. I'm probably gonna preach this uh, set of verses uh, as we start our year uh, in school, and we talk about multiplying, because I think these verses are fascinating. Everybody uh, picture the Apostle Paul with me, okay? Uh, he's writing this from prison, okay? Uh, he has spent years proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ around the Mediterranean, and his appearance reflects the persecution that he received for doing so. Five different times, Paul received 39 lashes, which was thought to be the number of lashes that someone could take uh, before they would die. 40 would kill you, 39, you're good. He got that five different times. He had rocks thrown at him, until people thought he was dead, and then guess what? His, prayer, or his friends gathered around him and prayed, the book of Acts tells us, and Paul got up and walked away. Amen. Uh, uh, Paul uh, writes of himself that he's not much to look at. He didn't come you know, with silver tongue and uh, uh, an attractive appearance. He was worn out, beaten up, not much to look, lack, look at as a man. But get, get this, now picture him with his armor. Amen. He's got that belt of truth just cinched tight because he's not falling for any of the devil's schemes. He's, he's got this one true gospel and he defends it in every one of the letters that he writes. He's standing behind the righteousness of Christ. He says, I'm like the, 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 the least, I'm the greatest of sinners, but it's not about me, it's about Christ. For me to live as Christ, to die as game, it's about Christ. He stands behind the righteousness of Christ. He stands firm in the peace that he's been given, this peace that he writes about that surpasses understanding. He stands in the peace of God. He, 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 he stands behind his faith. Can you picture his shield? I mean, how many arrows are sticking out of the shield that Paul's got on his arm, right? How many times has the adversary gone after him and he's hid behind the faithfulness of God? His helmet's all bashed in. 
because our adversary went at him again and again and again with all these false prophets and false teachers and all the churches he started and he wrote the letters anyway and he said, these guys are dumb, get back to the truth. He wrote most of the back half of the word of God. So there's Paul. He's written this amazing letter to the Ephesians. And now it comes time for, to, for him to inject one prayer request. He's told them, hey, pray for all the saints, pray for yourselves, pray without ceasing, pray in a variety of ways. He's given them all these great pictures of how prayer should look. And then it says, and as for me, and he, he can fire off one thing. And what does he ask for? He says, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He doesn't pray for his comfort. American Christian, did you just hear me? Paul, who is in prison and who has risked his life over and over and over again for the gospel, has one shot at the end of this letter to pray, ask for prayer for one thing. What does he pray for? Not get me out of prison. Not rescue me from my pain. Not make me comfortable. He prays that he would be effective, that he'd have clarity and courage in the mission. Now listen, am I saying that you shouldn't pray to be rescued? Please do. Am I praying that you shouldn't hope for God to deliver? No, you should. But am I praying that that is the ultimate end of your relationship with the Heavenly Father, your comfort, your, your preservation, that's the ultimate concern of our God? No, just so you know, God's concern is God and his mission moving forward through his people. And so if he rescues you from whatever he's rescuing you for, he's doing that so that you can be used by him to make a difference in the world that he loves. Most Christians stay at saved from status. They see their faith as a saved from faith. I've been saved from my sin and I've been saved from my pain and from my sorrow over and over again by a good and gracious and loving God. Amen, Christianity. But they haven't understood that Christianity is not just a saved from salvation, it is a saved to salvation. And you and I have been given the mission of making more disciples of Jesus Christ, of making stronger disciples of Jesus Christ, of being used to boldly proclaim. It's how we ought to speak. It's how we ought to live. It's the mission that's ours. So, let's pray. Let's live lives that are marked by prayer, surrounded by prayer. Let's pray persevering prayers, consistent prayers. Let's pray in the spirit. Let's pray, 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 pray. But don't forget the mission. Pray that God would make us mighty as his church. Amen? Pray that God would protect us in the battle so that the mission go forward. We sing this song as kind of a, a song reminder of how we fight our battles. It may look like we're surrounded, but we are surrounded by our Savior. He has got, given us the victory, and he will give us the victory again. Will you stand with us as we sing? This is how I fight my battles. 
Father, this is how we fight. We fight on our knees. We fight with eyes closed and heads bowed. We, we fight with our words. We enlist you and your strength because apart from you, we can do nothing. So fight our battles for us this week, Lord. Lead us to times of prayer. Lead us to times where we don't just shoot off some requests, where we, we soak and we listen and we, we in the spirit, uh, pray for what you lead us to pray for. Lead us to times, God, where we're praying for each other. Uh, bring to mind those five people that we're going to just um, uh, pray over and pray for. May we pray the armor on each one of them. Uh, may we pray for your victory in our lives. But we may, may we pray most of all for your mission to move forward. Give us victory so that your mission uh, uh, has the success you want us to have, God. Keep us mindful of that, I pray. And I pray it all in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys.